G'day, and thanks for tuning into Eddie Thing Goes. I'm your host, Edwina Robertson, aka Eddie to most people who know me. And this show is brought to you with the intention of sharing interesting stories, experiences, and conversations from mostly normal people. The content will be dynamic, inspiring, random, and you may often hear things that may raise an eyebrow. I ask all my guests to be themselves and be open, so very rarely you won't be getting the politically correct version, which, look, let's be honest, may offend some listeners. This podcast does contain adult themes and language, so I suggest it's not listened to in the vicinity of little ears. The aim is to be authentic, and like the title suggests, anything will go. If you love it, I'd absolutely love it if you tell your friends and help the show grow by leaving a review and a five-star rating. But let's not delay. There's many things to say. James Brazzle. Edwina. Cash Braz. <laughs> Thanks, A, for coming to visit me and B, for being the first guest on the Anything Goes podcast. <laughs> it's an absolute Privilege. What a great name. Who came up with that? I don't know. <laughs> Someone very talented. Good looking. Yeah. Very handsome. So, yeah. Good looking, very handsome, hot, <laughs> you know, amazingly attractive. Yeah. yeah. Who is this mystery man? <laughs> He's also single, ladies. Yeah. Well, this is uh, a wonderful surprise. Yeah. A wonderful course of events. I would like to call it. I think and so, yeah. I don't think there's anyone better than James Brazzle, who is a photographer travelling Australia, who also has his own podcast. Yes. Called? The Cutout. I keep thinking it's the top paddock, but it's called The Cutout. Close. <laughs> <laughs> the Cutout. And by trade is a shearer. So who better to have on the podcast as the first guest and to have a little chat about what you've been doing and where you're going and just life in general because you know what? Anything goes. Anything does go. And it's a privilege to be here, Wayne. Thank you for having me, mate. <laughs> <laughs> okay, so let's just let's just set the scene for yep. where you've been, what you're doing, who you are. 30 quick seconds. Give me a rundown of, of who you are. All right, 30 seconds. All right, so uh, I'm a shearer uh, from Lexton in Victoria, originally from uh, near Ballarat. Uh, I've been working in shearing sheds for about 10 years. Uh, over the last four years, I've been trying to make my photography business, which has always been a side business. Uh, I've been trying to make that the full-time job. So uh, I've been traveling around Australia, doing photo shoots in various places. Uh, but right now, I am probably three quarters of the way through a lap of Australia and I've been funding this trip with photo shoots I've picked up along the way. So, yeah. And currently residing in Hamilton in Brisbane. <laughs> yeah, exactly, yeah. Currently in Brisbane, loving it. <laughs> We've connected a few months ago in May in Oonadatta. Of all now, places. All places. Now, if you don't know where Oonadatta is, have a look at a map of Australia Look in the centre and basically throw a dart because it's it's in the middle of Australia. It's a north of Lake Eyre. Yep. And I had just shot a wedding on the Saturday yep. and we'd connected. I saw you and Oonadatta or you said, I think. Maybe was it William Creek, I think, at the time, right, which we? is just south of Oonadatta. Mm. And, uh, yeah, I saw – sorry to take over. <laughs> I saw that you were this in – This is your podcast Yeah, now. clearly. Welcome to my podcast. No. <laughs> so I was uh, in William Creek and uh, I remember saying that you were in Oonadatta and we hadn't actually met before, but I was a huge fan of yours and I was like, oh, my goodness, Edwina's is in – in Oonadatta, what are the odds, like, of all the places in Australia to run into, like, one of my photography heroes? So, <laughs> I messaged there and uh, here we are. And then I was like, oh, and there's the most attractive, <laughs> hottest, good-looking guy I've ever seen. We should definitely Yeah, meet. what are the chances he's in Oonadatta too? <laughs> we have to meet. <laughs> we have to meet. So, we connected and then the following morning we met and had a bacon egg roll at the Pink, Pink Roadhouse, House. the yep. famous Pink Roadhouse in Unadatta. Yep. We had about an hour there and then I had a 12-hour drive back to Adelaide to make my flight home, which was horrendous. It was so such a long way. And, yeah, a few months later, here you are in Brisbane. You've I'm come back. to stay. We've come up with the Anything Goes podcast concept yep. and – here we are. So it's a it's a wonderful turn of events, I think. It is. Yes. It's quite serendipitous. It, it, yeah, so. I wouldn't have used that word. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> but you use bigger words than they say. So. We've established. Well, you think I'm you, just in a female's body and ten years older. Yeah. So not really me at all. 
<laughs> Why do you think we're all similar? Uh, similar interests. We Based shoot. on the fact that we shoot we weddings. We're both photographers. We've, we've travelled Australia. Yeah. Uh, your name's James. My name's Edwina. Yeah, kind of pro- similar. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I guess uh, we... Uh, I suppose, like, we have the same sort of photography locations we like to shoot in. We both like rural photography. Similar interest to a, one thing. to a degree, I suppose. Yeah, I, I don't know. You have, like, you're very bubbly and, like, you like to chat and meet people. We both have a podcast. Is that enough? Like, I don't know. I don't know. I don't know what it is. Like, I'm sure we have polar opposite views on a lot of th- In fact, I know we do on a we lot do. of things. We do. We do. One of them being the amount of children we want. <laughs> yeah. So, Braz, my dear friend Braz here, just to, just to give everyone the ins and outs, he's single. <laughs> yeah. He's 28. When I asked him how many children he wanted, he said he wanted like 10 kids. I didn't, I didn't say that. I said I didn't have a number. I said, and if 10 kids came along, we'll have 10 kids. Well, we won't have 10 kids, but we won't. Have 10 kids. <laughs> <No>. Well, <laughs> if I could pop out one at this age being 38, <laughs> yeah, go me, yay. So if you're 18 and looking to have a dozen children, well, James Brazel <laughs> is the man for you because he is happy with having 10 children. Maybe, yeah. Yeah, possibly. Oh, my God. That is just exhausting. Wouldn't you just even- love to come home from, you know, like a, 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 you've done a photo shoot, you come home, like, mummy's home, and she runs and, the, you know, you come, the kids run up to you and, you know, 10 of them. Like- no. That's, that sounds like my worst nightmare. Oh, my goodness. <laughs> 10 children. Oh, well, maybe. I can't even remember my own name most days, let alone. Ten- ten well, you could just kids. call them, like, one, two, three. Like, you could, you know, no one's here you have to dirt, use. Like, yeah. <laughs> You can speak German. You can give him like your, your German, like Einstein. <laughs> Look, that's that's something we don't have in common. Yeah, is that yeah. A, that's my that's my red flag for you? <laughs> yeah, that's that's up there. Spoiler alert: We're probably not going to get married <laughs> purely because you want ten children, and I cannot give you ten children. Okay, my uh, uterus might fall out. We could have we could have one and adopt nine. Oh, that's ten. Uh, that's a lot of kids. Okay. Do you have enough acreage at Lexton to be able to do of that? half an acre? But okay. you know, people often talk about this like, oh, you know, like kids are too expensive. I haven't got enough room for ten kids or whatever, however many kids. We can't afford it. But you know, like I come from Ballarat, you know, families in the goldfields in Ballarat had like ten kids that lived in a tent. Yeah. And like dad'd go off into the mines all day and come but, home with like a little bit of gold. He'd be like, Oh, that's enough to feed us for the next but month. But also they fed their families. Like life was a lot different then. They didn't have TVs back then. Don't have to buy a TV now. <laughs> they didn't have podcasts to produce. They didn't have weddings to shoot. They didn't have travels to. Yeah, I feel like they had different troubles though back then, like <laughs> medical, like, like so many more probably things that we have, they had to worry about. That we the don't Black have to worry plague, about. Like you know, yeah, 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 yeah. Standard sort of standard stuff. sort of like. So 1850s. do you think they had more kids just because the chance of losing a kid to medical problems or health was higher? So it was like, well, we need a. We need a wad of children to keep the family going. So we'll have 10. You know, it's kind of like a ratio, like probably like 20% of our kids will die from some plague or some disease. <laughs> like that movie, a 50 million days wasted to die in the West. You ever say that? No. Oh, okay. Tell me about this. Oh, no, it's just like a movie and it's like how dangerous it is to live in that era. But uh-huh. sorry, just continue. <laughs> I haven't seen that. Okay. <laughs> There's a lot of things I haven't seen, though, so okay. I'm not a movie buff okay. by any means. Never seen Harry Potter, Lord of the Rings. I have seen Sound of Freedom. Went and saw it last night. Yeah, we went and movie. saw this vi- video. Yeah. Uh, oh, video. Yeah. There you go. <laughs> VH. We That's- got on VHS from Blockbuster. <laughs> <laughs> that tells you how often I go to the movies. We went and saw a video. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Shit. Anyway, we went and saw this movie called Sound of Freedom, which is about child's Trafficking. trafficking, sex trafficking, child trafficking in the world. And they're saying it's a f- per year, it's a 15, no, sorry. $150 sorry, billion sorry. Dollar industry. God, I'm terrible at numbers today. Uh, you got, I got stuck on the 10 kids and couldn't get off it. $150 billion industry yeah. per year. Per year, yeah. So I didn't know that either. Like, that I really wanted to see this movie. Phenomenal. And um, I knew it had like a good message, but like, I didn't know that. That was, yeah. yeah. It, was, it was pretty intense, pretty confronting. Mm. 
Definitely uh, worth a watch, though. Recommend all of you to go and watch it. Yeah, <laughs> Sound of Freedom. Uh, it's yeah. an independent movie. Independent I would say. movie. And then I'm going to see Barbie today. Do you want to come and watch Barbie with me? Probably not my sort of movie, but you know I'm pretty open minded. <laughs> I like to hear people out. Maybe Barbie's got something I could learn from her, or Ken. Maybe I don't Ken. know. I don't know much about the Barbie could, world to be honest. Because you definitely have some Kennedy going on. He was, he was really attractive, though, so I'll take that as a compliment. Yeah. Well, he was a doll. He was made of plastic, but, you know, hit the perception was that he was attractive. It's attractive. <laughs> Talking about attractiveness, do you think that having good-looking couples makes your photos better? I want to say yes, and I do think yes, but I don't want to upset all of my clientele who do not consider themselves to be attractive. Attractiveness, no, physical attractiveness is in the eye of the beholder. Exactly. It's so subjective. Yeah. No, you're like, so true. who you think is hot yeah. could be completely I, I could take a photo hot. of a couple or a wedding or whatever it could be and I might put it up thinking like, you know, like maybe they weren't Barbie and Ken, mm. but someone else might look at the photos and be like, he or she looked beautiful, mm. you know, like, and you know, like everyone looks their best so, on their wedding day, but yeah, sometimes, but they might have a completely perception of beauty to, as to what I do. So, I have this trick. This is not public knowledge. <laughs> oh, it's about to be with, with wedding photography often, and it's got nothing to do with looks or attractiveness or anything to do with that, but it's about connection. Yep. And sometimes I've had clients or couples. Like, I've shot over 600 weddings in wow. well over a decade. Like, I've, I've seen a thing or two. But sometimes you cannot get that chemistry and that connection within a couple. You you fail to get two people to really... Create magic. Yeah, yeah. create magic. I yeah. like that. You're like, oh, God, I've got 20 minutes of light left. Yeah. You know, I want to get the shot. Yeah. And I'm really struggling to... F- find the connection between this couple and you've pulled out every trick in the book. Yeah. Often what I have done in the past, not for everyone, and sometimes I do this even for couples that have amazing connection in chemistry, I will get them to go as far away from the lens as possible. (laughs) Ah, yeah. And I'll get a nice big landscape and I'll put them as little dots. Yeah. In the picture. Yeah, like under a nice tree with like a sunset glowing behind it. Yeah, or just a big open paddock, big wheat field, stubble, wheat stubble. Yeah. And just get the escarpment and make them as little as possible. Yeah, yeah. So you cannot pick on. That that has a name. It's called You're Good, You're Far From Good, But You're Good From Far. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. Oh my God. Did you just make that up then? No, I want to say yes, but I didn't. (laughs) I heard that years ago. Yeah. That is amazing. Yeah, that's exactly what I've been doing yeah. and I didn't even know it had a name. Yeah. Well, yeah, apparently that's it. Yeah. And so people go, oh, wow, we look amazing, but you can't actually tell that they, their chemistry and their connection is just horrible. And yeah. look, I think it's – there's pros and cons to shooting rurally, right? Yeah. I don't think I'd like to shoot any other way, but there is. Yeah, there's pros and, and cons. And I'm sure there is in the city There's pros and cons. Yeah. So, so these are these are my pros. This is, this is my list of my pros. Pros, you get amazing – Landscapes, backdrops. I've shot on like cliff faces, cliff escarpments. Like Argyle, I've seen your wedding. You mm. shot at like Argyle. It looked beautiful. Yeah, yeah, like I've shot in incredible paddocks with views and like phenomenal sunsets. And just it becomes the landscape in itself becomes the art, right? Yeah, yeah. But then on the flip side, sometimes I will have couples. And the guys are just retarded. <laughs> yeah. They just do not like having their photo taken. Yeah. They're true Aussie blokes and they just really struggle to have any form of emotional. But I feel like there's, there's blokes out there, and probably women too. You know, like when you're in high school and you're like, you've got to like dance in PE with the girl and it's awkward, you know, like mm. I feel like some guys like that with their wives oh, or girlfriends. Completely. I'm like, like doesn't up, mean mate, they you're love not 12 them. anymore, you Do- know. Doesn't mean they don't love them any less, but they're yeah. just. You know, hold hands. Oh, Jesus. I've got to go on for you. So I shot a mate of mine's wedding, Pete and Alicia, if you listen to this. They're probably not. But, uh, yeah, Pete might be in the truck driving some driving some livestock around the country. But um, they, they got they got married and they're just not like a kissy couple. So I remember we They're went, not a kissy couple. Yeah, yeah. Always interesting to see the dynamics of couples and how <coughs> intimate they are. Other times, like, they're basically, excuse my French, dry rooting. <laughs> I'm like, okay, that's enough intimacy for the shoot. Like, yeah. this isn't this isn't a this isn't the start of your OnlyFans account. <laughs> These are your wedding portraits. 
<laughs> did you always want to be a photographer? No, I did what did not. you want to be growing up? Apparently, I'm the interview, interviewer now. So. Yeah, thanks. What did I want to be when yeah. I grew up? I wanted to be a forensic forensic scientist. Oh, you said that the other day. You still mm. you want to do that from when you were mm. like, yeah, okay. Yeah, like if you could do anything right now, what would you be doing? Okay, so I feel like I would be either doing what I'm doing, but potentially like more photojournalism sort of stuff, like. I've got a big interest in, like I said the other day, I would even consider maybe studying law. So maybe, like, I've got a big interest in, like, what's going on in the world. Like, I'd love to maybe even shoot, like, a war zone, stuff like that. I think that'd be really interesting. Something more intense, something more challenging, I suppose, yeah. like like a, like shooting a... Getting shot at. Yeah, like, what is more intense than that? Like, people are shooting at me and I'm shooting at them with a camera. You know, maybe I wouldn't do that. I don't know. I've read a really great book about a photographer in the First World War, The Unseen Anzac, who was... Frank Hurley, I think. Frank Hurley and George, someone. It was sort of about the two of those guys. And anyway, they were like the Anzac photographers and they were just on the front lines, like with their cameras. And you can imagine, like, carting the big, you know, tripods and that around and they're just mm. people shooting at them. Were they like, it was Simpson and his donkey? Simpson? Shit. This is, I'm terrible with history. Yeah. Simpson, no. Simpson. He wasn't the photographer. No, no, no. But yeah. you know how, like, no one shot at him? Well, he did. He got shot in the end. He died. Oh. Yeah, he died. He, he died on Gallipoli. Yeah. <laughs> I did just admit that I'm terrible at history. Yeah. Uh, I love that my private school education taught me all that <laughs> stuff. Yeah. yeah. Well, don't worry. I was okay, so Simpson yeah. died, but t- they weren't supposed to shoot at Simpson, correct? Well, the enemy was because they were the enemy. They, they, like, the idea in war medical. is to kill the other guys. <laughs> I thought because he was medical, they weren't supposed to shoot Yeah, but like- Is that not right? It happens, I guess. Yeah. Oh, yeah okay, so, so Simpson- Simpson Did died. Shrapnel died? Galley, I reckon he got shot. Oh, yeah. wow. See, so you know all about this stuff. I could be wrong. Like, yeah, I don't want to say- politics is your thing. Yeah. So, yeah, go back, actually going back to what you were just saying, like if I was to do something else, mm-hmm. yeah, maybe studying politics. Or the other thing would be I'm very passionate about music, so playing in a band. Something like that, maybe. I did think it would be a cool concept to have like a music shop that also had a like a bar in it, and you could have like live gigs, and people could like watch a band play, and then potentially buy guitars and stuff. At the- oh, that's cool. Yeah, yeah. So you're quite diverse for a young chap. I didn't say I was good at any of these things. <laughs> <laughs> I just said I have a lot of interests. <laughs> yeah, that's okay. Okay, yeah. that's good. Now on your trip, yeah. So you left in May. May the first, I left Lexton. Yep. So you've been on the road where basically almost the 1st of September. I've missed a whole winter at Ballarat, which has been great. Wow. So that's yeah. – oh, my God. I'm so brain dead today. I'm so exhausted. I've just come back from a big trip. So May, June, July, August, that's – Nearly five months. Five months, yeah. which is amazing. What has been the highlight of your travel so far? That's a great question. Um, Not really, but no. Nah, well, I've that. been asked this question a lot, actually. So <laughs> it's, it's nothing I sort of haven't been asked before. But I think um, I had a job shooting uh, a helicopter tourism business on the tip of Cape York, Punsand Bay. So I got to fly over the Torres Strait Islands, um, and the couple were amazing. If you're up in Cape York, shout out to Bell and Blocker from uh, Coastal Rotors. They're awesome. So uh, there, they got to. Um, I got to spend the day with those guys, fly over the Torres Strait Islands. Um, That's lo- cool. Yeah, well, it was cool. Uh, I loved the Gibb River Road. That was amazing. Mm. I didn't really know what to expect there, so that was um, – I was a bit, bit nervous doing it because I'm not – I'm a terrible mechanic. Mm. Um, so I thought if something does happen, I could be in a little bit of strife, but it was amazing. I'll go again tomorrow. I love – this is going to sound a bit cheesy, but I was in the Northern Territory for Territory Day and I had a ball. Oh, that's pretty hectic. It was it? awesome. Yeah, I bought yeah. Uh, like – Six hundred some dollars worth of fireworks, and we had an absolute ball. Yeah. yeah. So to give anyone who doesn't understand what <coughs> Territory Day is, it's basically the first of July. Yes. Yep. And in the Northern Territory in Australia, this one day of the year, you can buy uh, fireworks. Fireworks. Sorry, yep. you can. I was going to say firearms. That's correct. <laughs> you can buy fireworks and basically let them off. Yep. I have an interesting story about this. Oh yeah. May I please share? Yeah, and you've got all your fingers, so I'm assuming you haven't lost any yeah, fingers. Yeah. Thank God. Yep. So. I did a trip around Australia six years ago now, and I was in the Territory for Territory Day. I left Alice Springs, and I was going up to kind of Tennant Creek. Now, this is one of the – up there with one of the scariest things that's ever happened to me. Ooh. So, I'm travelling in this old Land Cruiser, Shorty 40. The car's all logoed up. Ever, a lot of people know I'm on the road. Now, I kind of had a bit of a rule on this trip that I wouldn't travel at night, but on this particular day, kind of – had to. Have you ever heard of that story like the Peter Falconio, yeah. Joanne Lees, where Peter Falconio gets, I don't know, thrown down a mine shaft or something? Like yeah. they never find him. They 
in a van and they get pulled up. This was probably, I think I was like 13 or something or 14 when that happened. Yeah. So it was a good 20-something years ago. They never found Peter and I think that there was a guy who got put in jail for it. I can see his face. I can't remember his name. Anyway, they were, they were backpackers. Anyway, so this was in that Joanne Lee's Peter Falconio territory where I was traveling. Oh, yeah, yeah. Um, on the Stewart Highway, Stewart Highway is dead set straight. There's not a bend in it for hundreds and hundreds of kilometers. So it's probably about 8 o'clock at night on Territory Day. It's dark. I'm driving along and I could see these lights behind me. And I thought, oh, that looks like a truck. It's so hard because the Stewart Highway is so straight. You can't yeah. tell the distance between vehicles. I could see these lights, thought it was a truck. And then just cruising along at my 80 k's an hour because it couldn't go any faster. And the lights disappeared and I thought, oh, maybe he's just pulled up. You know, happens, truckies pull over. So there's no phone service. Had a sat phone, it was in the back. Should have been in the front with me. And I did have a GPS tracker too. Anyway, driving along, lights disappear, cruising, all fine. Next minute, literally right behind me, the lot, the high beams are, are put on. It wasn't a truck, that was, it was a car. No. And then I realised it was a car, oh, okay, but yeah, it was yeah. like literally 10 metres, <laughs> if not closer, off my ass. Wow. I nearly drove off the road because I got such a fright and I was like, oh, shit, I'm in trouble. In trouble you yeah. know, that gut feeling, that yeah, intuition. Yeah, yeah and you like, just expect the worst. You're just like, yeah. shit, yeah. I'm going to die. Yeah. Anyway, and it ended up being this maroon, maybe a Holden Astra, yeah. something like that, full of Indigenous blokes. Yeah. Which is... <clears throat> Really nothing to the story, but just to yeah, keep, yeah, yeah. Uh, you know, I'm pretty isolated. And I would make a fair call to say they were drunk. Yeah. So they started playing chicken with me on the road. Oh, fair dinkum. So what they were doing was coming up beside me and trying to push me off the edge of the road and then they'd drive in front of me, slow right down so I had to slow down. Then they'd go behind me and come right up my ass and they were doing this for, I reckon, 15 minutes. What? Were they yelling out the window? Nah, but they were trying to push me off the road. Wow. And I was absolutely, I couldn't contact anyone. Um, I, was, I was petrified. And I was thinking, okay, worst case scenario here. So in my phone I was texting what the car was, the number plate, what was happening, the time. Um, and I thought, I'm probably going to roll the car. And even though I didn't have phone service at the time, I'll just throw my phone out. Then they might find the phone later on and discover these text messages that haven't been sent. Yeah. Anyway, and then I started, great tip if you're traveling, particularly solo, write details of whatever's happening on your windscreen or your window because the the oil from your fingers, if they torch your car, it's going to stay. Like forensics can bring up oh, that yeah. oil on you. Oh, wow, I didn't know that. Yeah, so I was writing like the number plate, the colour of the car, the type of the car, Astra, on on the windscreen, right? I had some um, pepper spray with me, so I had that. I had a bar behind my seat, like a steel bar, and I had my dog. Yeah. So I was thinking of all the scenarios in my head of yeah. what if they're going to run me off the road. What you can do. What are they going to do? Are they going to get me? Are they going to hurt me? Are they going to leave me? Every single scenario went through my head. Yeah. There was like plan A to Z. Yeah. Because I couldn't do anything else. And they were serious. And then they, I think they just got over it after a while and then they were like, ah, uh, just took off. pissed off. It was scary. And then the next thing that I think it was probably like another 100 Ks and I got to in the NT on the Stewart Highway when you don't have phone service, there's these satellite dishes at yep. these kind of stops and you get under these satellite dishes and then you get phone reception. So then I got there and I checked in with the people who were looking out for me and I told them what happened. But that happened on Territory Day, and I, I'm going to say that they, they were drunk. Like sounds like it. Yeah. or on something like on. Drugs. Um, it was really scary, but I felt as prepared as I could be. Like I wasn't yeah. panicking. I was like, I went into survival mode. Yeah. And then following that night, I ended up at the property I was staying at, the station I was staying at that night, and there was people in their dongers staying on the on the station. So in these kind of like little small little rooms, like that just had a bed and a table and a sink. a sink. Wouldn't have had showers or anything. They would have had communal showers. And people were actually throwing fireworks. People were asleep in their dongers. People would open up the doors and throw fireworks in the room and shut the door. <laughs> oh, wow. Yeah, so it was 
hectic. So yeah. Territory Day is l- like no other. Yeah, People it is. lose all sorts of limbs a and guy, fingers. A, this year a guy lost his hand in Darwin, I think it was. Yeah, I'm not surprised. Yeah. Darwin, don't you reckon the Territory is a, has a law unto its own? Yeah. Like, it's love just it. reckless. Yeah. I feel like it's funny because I love going there. It's like my favourite place to be. But of all the things that they're allowed to do, they're probably the one place they shouldn't be allowed to do. Yeah, yeah. They are wild. Yeah, it's great. I love it. I feel like it's – people say like, oh, the territory is 20 years behind or whatever it is. But I feel like in many ways that's a good thing. Yeah, it definitely is that. But it's it's, – I've seen some crazy things in the territory. Yeah. You know, it's kind of every man for himself a little bit. It's rough. It's ready. It's like the last frontier. Oh, a hundred and ten percent. Yeah, um, I had some good times in the territory. I uh, do you know what I love about a Northern Territory wedding. Yeah, they put on the invite black tie, and black tie for the Northern Territory is where you wear your best sports coat and some your best blue jeans. <laughs> That's black tie. Everywhere else in Australia, it could be tails, it could be a cummerbung. Yeah, it's a full bow tie. In the territory. It's your best blue jeans. Yeah, yeah, that's like formal. <laughs> yeah. 100%. And then if, if you go to like a, a club, you know, you're at um, oh, Mitchell Street or something, people go out and they're just in like footy shorts and thongs. Oh, like, yeah. If you go out, in, you know, any, anywhere else, like obviously I'm from Ballarat, so you go out down yeah. there, people at least get a little bit dressed up. Not up in the territory. Yeah. Get your footy shorts on and out you go. Oh, <laughs> I've seen some wild things at weddings before yeah. in the territory. Wild. Yeah. Absolutely. Like, go on, share, share oh, something. Okay, I'll share a couple of stories. Uh, and this is just observation. This isn't this isn't my opinion or anything. It's just what I, happened? Yeah, just what happened. I had a wedding in Darwin once and the ceremony was in a church right in the middle of Darwin. And now we say First Nations people, yet eight or so years ago, I'm and I'm not sure if this has changed much because I haven't done extensive travel in the Territory, they'd be referred to as... Blackfellas? <laughs> what? That's yeah, just- yeah. Look, and that's the thing. I'm just going to just just tell you this right now. Yeah. When you get to a certain point in Australia, so like north of probably let's say Mount Isa. Yeah. North of there, the line that goes through like Mount Isa across Australia, north of there, everyone says Blackfellas. But even if you went to go, if you're going west of there, you could go like Cooper north yeah. potentially too. Like yeah, they say Blackfellas. And it's not. <coughs> it's racist. not offensive. Yeah. It's not offensive. Nah. White fella, Blackfellas. Yeah, that's exactly what it is. Yeah. Not offensive. Yeah. Anywhere south of that, yeah. you're like the most racist human yeah, yeah. on the earth. What could you say that? Well, yeah. Have you yeah. made like. <laughs> it's so weird. Like, and it, it that's one thing I saw in my travels. Everyone's yeah. just like, oh, Blackfella. Yeah. But in Darwin, it's a black fella. Yeah. That's what they- That's it. That's what I- I'm not disputing. Uh, I agree. Yeah. (laughs) It's so- And until you travel and go to these areas and these remote areas, like these remote areas, you don't actually realize that that's just how it is. Yeah. Nothing's changed in terms of identity and, and, and naming. Yeah. Okay. So, we're in this huge wedding, huge ceremony in Darwin, in the middle of the city, and a very drunk- Indigenous guy came in came into the ceremony. He wasn't invited, obviously. No, he yeah. definitely wasn't invited. Yeah, okay, yeah. And he was standing in the church. Now, this is just an observation. Oh, this, this is the ceremony. Happened. Sorry, yeah, yeah, this yeah, is yeah, the ceremony. Okay, yeah. He's standing in the church. He's standing at the back of the church. And he is yelling out profanities. And these are some of the things he said. Please turn this off if you have little ears. Ah, oh, look at all you Catholic sea bombs. Like in the back of this ceremony, and everyone is sitting there going, "Holy smokes! I can't believe this is happening." So in like the middle of like, I'm assuming it was like a mass. Yeah, it was mass, and then they pulled him outside. He was very intoxicated. They pulled him outside, <coughs> and he came back in again, and he did it. And obviously, as a photographer, I was looking at him because I was like, "Holy shit!" Did you take a photo of it? Oh, I don't. I can't remember, but it was one of those times where you just want to sink into the ground. Yeah, yeah. What did the couple do? Oh, I think they just got on with it. Did anyway, the, what did the priest do? Just got on just with got it, on, yeah. and everyone just pretended just another, it wasn't just happening. Day, no one. Yeah, and this is the kind of thing that happens yeah. in Darwin. It is. It, it would happen is, yeah. nowhere else. And oh, for me, it was confronting in a lot of ways. It was confronting because obviously alcohol is a huge problem. Yeah, yeah. For our First Nations people. Yep. And well, Not actually, for, for everyone, yeah, yeah. actually, I think alcohol is a big problem. <clears throat> it showed 
a lot of like divisiveness. Look, I've been at events before where there's been intoxicated white people who have come into events and tried to stir shit. So, but it just, I think it was just the, it was very confrontational. Yeah, yeah, that's a good word, yeah. Yeah. I don't I don't know how else to explain it, but it was a really interesting thing to witness on reflection. I feel really sad about it now. At the time, it was just so incredibly awkward. Well, it's something you'd never forget. As no. A well, I'm telling this story, what, six, seven years yeah, later. Yeah. <laughs> uh, so that was one thing. And then at the same wedding, I think they drank like something ridiculous. Like <laughs> it was – I can't remember the exact number. It was a but lot it was of like, 80 bottles of, like, Bundy rum. And it might have been o- – I don't drink Bundy rum. It might have been red. It might have been OP. I don't know. But wow. but 80 bottles for, like, 200 guests. Wow. That's a fair old effort. Yeah. See? But then it goes back to drinking, consuming yeah. alcohol. Yeah. You've got someone who's intoxicated. Well, it's, it's just got to be done in the right manner, Yeah, you've got someone who's intoxicated who's coming. Probably just don't go run into a church. Yeah. Oh, you know? God, it was – and just the profanity in the language. So someone who's come in at the start intoxicated, but then everyone's got drunk at the end. Like it's yeah, just, yeah, yeah. But do you know what I mean? Yeah, yeah. Time and place. Yeah, like so. That was a really interesting thing I experienced and witnessed at a wedding in Darwin. Well, I'll go on for you, but it's not at the wedding. Uh, it happened to me. So um, my friends have heard this story before, but I'm going to share it with all you new friends out there who are about to make. <laughs> So, um, long story short, um, I did a trip around Australia um, three years ago, four years ago. It wasn't right around Australia. It was like the probably like mm. a quarter of Australia, which is still a fair way. Mm. And um, I was on the road for two months, came back home, and uh, within like a matter of days, I'd been offered a job playing drums at a um, tourist destination in the Northern Territory with the band there for the dry season. Mm. So, I thought, well, this is going to be great. Like, what's... You know, I could go shearing around Ballarat and freeze my ass off for the winter or I could go and play the drums for the dry season in the Territory. And at the time, I, the last time I was in the Territory was when I was 18 months old. So I hadn't at the time probably been there for, a you know, I, I couldn't remember going there, obviously. So I thought this is going to be great. Long story short, it was going to be me, the guy who goes there every year who was organising the band and another uh, guitarist who he'd organised to come across from Queensland. So anyway, I got a bit of a gut feeling from chatting to him on the phone. It seemed a bit rude, a bit abrupt. Like I get on with anyone. Like I'm very like uh, open-minded and polite, and you know I, I like to think I am anyway. So I, like I'll make an effort to I'll get. I'll tell to- you after you leave my house. Yeah, yeah. What, what we really think of him, <laughs> but like I'll make an effort to get to know anyone, and uh, I just didn't get a good vibe from him on the phone. But I thought, no, nah, I really want to do this. This would be awesome. So loaded the Hilux up again, um, five-piece drum kit, drove three thousand k's up to the. Territory and within about 15 minutes to meet this bloke, I was like, I've made a mistake. I just knew it. Mm. He was exactly like he was on the phone. Mm. I got there and he's like, right, nice to meet you. Get your drum kit, load it up, take it down to the, the homestead and we're going to yeah, set this up. And and then he just sat there where we sat, like spent like three hours like all afternoon like setting up the stage and everything. He got there right at the end and I was like, right, let's run over some songs because we're supposed to play that night. I got there, we're supposed to play like that night. And I was like, let's run over some songs we've never played together before. I've been playing in bands for like 10 years on and off, but we'd never played together. So I thought we better have a bit of a jam. He wasn't interested in it. I was sort of like, well, we, we should do it. So anyway, he cracked his shits a bit and he's like, all right, fine. So he, he like played a riff and what, what, what song is this? And he's like, doesn't matter, just play something. I was like, oh, here we go. So anyway, long story short, the, the gig was a disaster that night. He was like yelling at us on the stage and it oh. was it was so bad. Uh, anyway, so the next day, oh, after that gig, he turned around and the abuser said, we, we played terribly and all this. And I was like, well, mate, we met today. You didn't even want to have a, you know, you didn't want to run run through anything. Like, it's no surprise. It was a shambles. No accountability. No, nah, no. Nah, it was all our fault. Yeah, yeah. So anyway, I said to the, the guitarist and the uh, other guitarist in the band, who was a really nice guy, I was like, look, I'm not putting up with this. I wouldn't put up with it. You know, Sheeran shared, I'm going to load up my stuff and go on. So, you know, I'm not going to put up with you either. Good for you. Boundaries. Yeah, yeah, Love that for you, Brad. Yeah, yeah. Thanks, mate. So, Brad's with boundaries. Yeah, yeah. So, loaded the drum kit up into my car again because um, he wasn't staying at the uh, where the where the where we were playing the gigs. I was. He wasn't. Um, so I said to the other guitarist, I was like, if you want to lift to the Darwin Airport, I'll drop you off at the airport and you can fly back to Queensland, but I'm not staying. He goes, no, I'm going to give it a bit longer. I'm going to. So I wrote a message um, and I said, thanks very much for having me. Um, you said to me last night, if you don't like it, which you did say, if you don't like the way I operate, you can pack your shit up and go back to Ballarat. And I said to him, you said that last night, I'm going to take you up on that offer and I'm out of here. 
good luck with the rest of your catch you see you never. Yeah, yeah. Good luck with the rest of uh, your your you know your band for the rest of the dry season. I did it very politely, but I'm going. So, and then I sent it, blocked him immediately, dropped the other guy off back at the accommodation with the old mate. And about three days later, I rang up the guitarist and I said to him, how did he go? He's like, oh, mate, he d- he didn't take it well. And <laughs> as it turns out, he was tied in with the Hells Angels. Wow. And this other guitarist said to him, he's like, I'm just going to let you know, um, I've rang some other friends who are, because, you know, like the music scene's small mm-hmm. to a degree, people know people. Just going to let you know, he is tied in with the Hells Angels and he has, on one other occasion, I've been told a story um, that a guy was supposed to play a gig with him once. He got paid and didn't show up. He sent the angels around and they broke his thumbs. And they said to him, try and play the guitar now, mate. So I was like in the back of my mind, am I going to have the Hells Angels after me? Yeah. And um, and that's why he's been on the run ever since. Yeah, that's right. <laughs> he's actually not in Hamilton, Brisbane. He's now <laughs> in, in witness protection. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah. So, but another Holy story. Shit. Yeah, yeah. Sounds like hell. Yeah, yeah. So for like the next few weeks after that, I was like, I stayed around like Catherine Darwin, and I went to Canada. I was, yeah, for to a degree, I was like, you know, should I be looking over my shoulder? Nothing happened. But another funny story about um, that's that same guy. Before I left and packed up and headed off, I said to um, I said to the bloke who was managing the um, the venue, I said, thanks for having me for the um, time I've been here, which was very short. But I'm not getting on with this bloke. It's not going to work out. I'm going to leave. And he's like, it's all right. I understand. I've uh, had issues with him before. You're not the first person that this has happened to. I was like, oh, just out of curiosity, what else, have you had other problems? What, what else has happened? And he goes, we had a lady once who, um, who had one arm and she came up to make a request for a song. And she said to him, excuse me, I've been staying here a few nights because we were told we had the same set list for the whole dry season. Mm. Learn these songs. We play them every night. Oh, God. Yeah, yeah. So it was play these songs for the whole dry season and, um, yeah, that's basically your job. And anyway, so this lady, because most people stay in the territory or or wherever they go one night and then they go to the next place. Mm. Like that's how how people travel sort of. But this lady had stayed a few nights and she said to him, um, could I make a request? I've been staying here a few nights. I noticed you play the same songs every night. And he said to <laughs> it's her. getting old. Yeah, yeah. And apparently he said to her, how about you go and sit back down in the seat before I rip your other arm off and shove it up your ass? <laughs> yeah, yeah. And she made a complaint. <laughs> oh, no. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> This guy yeah, has a income. serious issue. Yeah, yeah. So I, I, uh, I was like, wow, yeah. So apparently, like, yeah, this guy's. But I saw him recently on Where? my trip on this. The Gold Coast? No, no, no. Ooh. He was still at the, playing at the same venue. Oh, he's still there. Yeah. He was a few weeks ago, but then someone tagged me in a post. Did you go say hello? No. I sat- <laughs> Did you go up to him and go, still got me far? <laughs> <laughs> I should have. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so uh, that was me. Yeah. Wow, that he, he, yeah. is hectic. Yeah. Yeah, the territory's wild. Yeah. If you want a wild holiday, don't go to South America. Yeah, it's like don't go to Bali. Don't, don't go, go to yeah. Bali. Just go to the territory. Yeah. I've had some pretty hectic things happen to me in the territory. Yeah. Like I rolled my car there. Tell us about that. Doing my trip around Australia was heading from a place. Uh, maybe like 200 k's northeast of Alice Springs. Well, that's pretty remote. Uh, out to a station. So on this road, it was gravel, sand actually. It was probably like 80 k's, I think. Yeah. Heading out there, to, and there was nothing at the end of this road. There was this station I was going to, and an indigenous community, and nothing else. So I was probably like 30 or 40 k's from the Stuart Highway, and stupid me, I had heavy load on top of my vehicle, so it was top-heavy, short-wheel-based, and I hadn't put my tyres down for to accommodate oh, yeah. for the sand. Anyway, I was only doing about 50, 55 k's, and I rolled it. I went up sort of – I got stuck in a track, overcorrected, whoopsie-doozy, over I go. I did a full, like, full roll. Like, it wasn't wow. just like one. I did a full flip. Yeah. Yeah. Anyway. Oh, you must have I was so lucky. Oh, I should have died. Like the universe, God, my dad, whoever is up there was looking out for me that day because I came away. The only injury I had was this like killer bruise from like my armpit to my uh, elbow and it was like back of my arm was black. So I've hit something there, black. 
It was the biggest bruise you've ever seen. Wow. But you know where the door connects to the chassis of the car? I don't know what that is. It's a pillar or something maybe? Yeah, I know who you mean, but I don't know what the name is. <laughs> After they recovered the vehicle, I sat in it and the pillar was bent at a right angle basically and it was like less than half an inch from my temple. Wow. So if that hit me in the temple, cactus. Anyway, so I came out with this bruise and then I was in shock and my dog my dog Geordie was there and he was, was he fine. Okay? Yeah, he was fine. And I don't it probably was only 15, 20 minutes after because you know when you're in shock, everything just time just doesn't Yeah, yeah. It does away from you. Yeah, you just have no concept, concept of, of time. time. So I had this GPS tracker, it's a spot connect, it was called. Great things if you're traveling. Everyone in rural Australia should have one of these. So you can People can see where you are. You can call for SOS for help if, or like it's not an emergency, but you need help, or if you need triple zero. Yeah. So there's different varies, vary like buttons on this thing. Anyway, so I had that and I pressed. I needed help, but I didn't press it for long enough, so it didn't actually oh, register that I needed yeah. help. So no one even known I had this car accident. The car, the car was on the side. So I reckon it was probably 15, 20 minutes after the accident. It was, just, and then there was this. Couple, indigenous couple, they lived in a dry community, so dry meaning no alcohol. no alcohol. And they were doing a 600K round trip to get two six-packs of VB from the local 600K return. 600Ks for a dozen VBs. Gee, they must have been craving it. So they were probably at least a six-pack in. Anyway, so they were drunk. So I see this... <laughs> Maroon Mitsubishi Magna. I don't know what it is about maroon cars in the territory, but yeah. they're a thing. Mitsubishi Magna. Like, I don't even know how they got on this road because it was rough. Cruising along, boof, 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 and come up. And they see me and they're like, oh, you, you're right, love? Yeah, yeah, and I'm yeah. like, fuck, I'm just Never been better. <laughs> <laughs> now, they're like, where are you going? I'm like, oh, I'm going to this station. And they knew the station. I get in the car, I take my most expensive items. So I take my cameras, um, I think I had like just a small bag, like my laptop. I take my dog and that's it and I get in the car with them. Now, they're drunk. They're driving on a rough road. They don't have their seatbelts on. I I get in the back of the car. I've been crying. So You're looking good. I was. Well, actually, I was – I was going to a station that day where there was a potential love interest Ooh. at that station. So I'd actually put makeup on that day. Oh, so you had the So I had yeah. mascara oh. running down my face. This is how this is picture this. I've been crying, I've got mascara running down my face. My face is covered in red dirt where I've taken <laughs> taken a buster in the car. And I'm sitting in the car in the back seat and they're smoking durries. <laughs> so they're drinking VB cans and they're smoking durries. And I've actually got this on film. I can I can prove this. I was I'm not a smoker, and when I smoke, I bump off. Like I'm a terrible <laughs> smoker, asthmatic, like all the chest things yeah, yeah. going on. Like I, I smoke, I die basically. Yeah. And I was like, fuck it. If you can't beat them, join them. <laughs> so I bummed a white woman bums a cigarette off an Aboriginal bloke. I was like, fuck it. I'm just going to do this. So I bum a a cigarette. I light it up. I'm sitting in the back. I've videoed myself doing this. And I'm bum puffing (laughs) this cigarette. And I'm rolling my eyes. And I've got mascara all down my face (laughs) and red dirt. And I'm like, this is my life. (laughs) Anyway... They dropped me off to the station. It was really good and I was really grateful and I was grateful that I didn't wasn't left out in the side of the road for a long time. But my car had to be recovered that day because what happens if, if you leave a vehicle in a lot of these remote rural Australian places, particularly the Territory, if you leave it overnight, you're going to go back and your car's not going to be there. Yeah, they're going yeah. to flog the wheels, yeah. the tyres. The it gets stripped or burnt. It out gets or stripped yeah. or burnt. So I was like, so they recovered my car that night. But it kind of was like a pay it forward because a couple of weeks later I went back out to the property and I wasn't driving my car. Oh, that's This is a story for another time because I had to panel beat the car back into in its original shape. But I was driving another vehicle, going back out to the property, and I came across a vehicle parked in the middle of the road. It wasn't even parked. It just stopped. Yeah. And I could tell by the engine, the heat on the engine had sort of driven recently and like, 
it just been. Oh, there was no one there. No. Oh, sorry. Okay. The yeah, car yeah. was just in the middle yeah, of the yeah, road, like yeah, not yeah. even pulled up on the side, literally in the middle of yeah, the road. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. And it was like a little like Ford like pickup kind of thing. Yeah. Like a dual cab thing. Anyway, I was like, they've been here recently, but I don't know where they are. So yeah. I kept driving, and I came across maybe like seven or eight Indigenous women. Yeah. And kids. So there was probably like I think from memory I think there was three, three adult women and five kids, and the youngest was a baby. Yeah. So they they would have walked by this stage about fifteen or sixteen k's from wow. the vehicle. No water, no hat, no shoes. Oh, wow. like, holy shit! And it's another I world up, out there. Yeah. I? Oh god, you do, you cannot make comment until you've yeah, seen yeah, it. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. And I pulled over. I was like, oh, do you guys need help? And they're like, oh yeah, we. Run out of fuel. So this is what happens. A lot of people out there don't fill their cars up and just yeah. expect them to keep going. So just literally yeah. leave their car. Well, I think I was telling you last time I saw you that afternoon, I got lost on the edge of the Simpson Desert. Oh, yeah, yeah. But yeah. I never actually told you what happened. No, you didn't. So I'll make it short. So after I left you, and I can distinctly remember you asking me, have you got a sat phone with? Have you got an e yeah. and, and, and I was <laughs> no, like, for my adventures. Yeah, and yeah. I was like, no, nah, I haven't got one. And I, but I should get one. And you looked at me and you were like, you won't do it. I still remember. <laughs> I was distinctly remember you doing that. And then I was like, and then we said goodbye. And I was like, right, I'm going to Dalhousie Springs. I was, I was off to that afternoon, which is a, I think like from memory, 155k or something from Udnadatta to Dalhousie. I did like zero research on this place before I got there. I just thought it was a cool place to go to, and it was 155k. That's all I knew. Jumped in my car, stuck my tunes on, singing down the road, having a way over time. Classic Brazzle, just absolutely oblivious to what could happen to him. I'm just an idiot. <laughs> I'll tell you. Yeah, cash Brazz, I'll tell you what. <laughs> so anyway, I jump in the car and all of a sudden, and I didn't know, I was supposed to get the Hamer Maps app because you can use it anywhere in Australia and you don't need service for it. And I was like, yeah, I'll do that. And I never did it. So um, I got to this turn off. You're supposed to go right to go to Dalhousie Springs. And I thought, I thought it was the turn off to go there. But it didn't say Dalhousie Springs right. It just said like some park right, which is actually what it is, like mm. the national park is called or whatever. Mm. And then it, and then the alternative was to go straight ahead and it said um, Dalhousie via Mount Dare. And I thought, well, if worse comes to worse, I'll just end up at the pub and I'll stay there mm. and then I'll go to Dalhousie tomorrow because mm. I had a day free or two days free or something like that. Went straight ahead and unbeknownst to me, the road was atrocious. So I got like an extra 20 cut the road. And by this stage, I'm like, I should have probably like arrived at mm. Dalhousie, seen a sign, but no, like there's no sign here. So I knew I'd by that stage I'd take it a wrong turn, but I thought it's all right, I'll just go to Mount Dare. It doesn't it's not the end of the world. It's supposed to be a good pub. So the further I get down the road to Mount Dare, the worse the road got. It, and I didn't I didn't know either, but they'd had a lot of rain there a few weeks earlier. So the tracks were atrocious. People had tried to drive on the wet tracks and it was like, you know, it was just it was so bad. And then there was like um it got to the point where people had started making their own tracks around the track because the tracks the actual tracks were that bad. I thought, oh man, I've really stuffed up here. I just knew it. Like I've, I was just like, this is just typical me. And I always get angry at myself when I make a stupid decision. I'm like, driving the car, I'm like, you bloody idiot, James. <laughs> like I was just. Anyway, I had uh, a jerry can full of fuel on the back, twenty liters of fuel, and I'd worked out if I was to pull over soon, put the jerry can in, I could make it back. But I was roughly half out of fuel, mm. so I thought, right. I worked out I was probably within three or four K of the Mount Dare pub, but the road had got to the point where I didn't know which direction I was going in because everyone had made their own tracks. I didn't know which track was the right track and I knew the turn off the Fink was somewhere around there and I, I don't know. Like, it was just – I was nearly got Mess. stuck in the sand and yeah. I just was – it was a complete Russell Coit moment. Like <laughs> I didn't put the tyres down and the road was starting to turn to sand and then it was mud and it was just shocking. So, anyway, I stuck the um, – long story short, stuck the 20 litres of fuel in the back of me uh, – in the back of me – in my jerry can in the car – and uh, turned around, did a seven and a half hour drive that day. Didn't get to Mount Dare or Dalhousie Springs. <laughs> but on, the funny part about it was, I was about twenty k out of twenty k out of Udnadatta on the way back. So angry at this stage, covered in dirt and dust, and I'd broken me water jerry can, two hundred dollar on tap products jerry can. It had like a pump in it. It got a hole in it, lost me water, broke the jerry can. That proper doozy. Oh, it was a completely shamozzle. A complete shamozzle. So anyway, I come across this. Uh, Troopy on the way back, full of black fellas, and I was like, "Oh, I went to overtake him," but then I realised I was doing like twenty k an hour. And I thought they're going awfully slow here. Something's not right. Looked in the rearview mirror, and there's all this dirt and dust coming out of the front, like left hand side, uh, like wheel arch. I'm like, 
something's not right with this vehicle. So did a U-bolt, came back, and I was like, hey, you going, guys? You all right? As I, as I pull up, I see there's like a dead kangaroo sitting on the on the bonnet, and I'm like, something's not good here. So got out, and I was like, you, you all good? And he's like, oh, yeah, we got a puncture. I was like, oh, yeah, can I have a look at it? So oh. I, I got my GoPro to have a look because I knew something. I knew there was more to this story. There wasn't The tire wasn't even on the rim. It, was, it wasn't a puncture. <laughs> the tire wasn't on the rim. There was a dead kangaroo. On the bonnet, and they're just cruising along 20k an hour. I was like, Do you want one of these want to lift into town? Or you can get lifted, maybe like another car. Yeah, I'll give you a lift. So I, dro- I got one of the fellas in the car with me, and he came into town with me. I was like, You were going like 20k an hour. Like, it would have taken you ages to get back to town. And he's like, Oh, no, it wasn't even probably 20k. It's probably like 5k an hour, really. And he's like, Oh, we would have got there eventually. Like, not a care in the world, you know? Like, just did not get it. was like, the, the troopy was loaded. There was like 10 of them in the troopy. Oh, like, yeah. But yeah. Yeah, there's no road rules. Nah, nah, nah. No road Just rules. Just another day like, in the uh, Back windscreen's gone. No. Mirrors sometimes. Yeah, no, oh, yeah. no. Like, yeah, car loaded up, no seatbelts, yeah. no number plates, yeah. no lights. Like, it is wild. It is. It is. It's, it is the, literally the last frontier. It is. Have you ever struggled with weight loss or even keeping weight off? Have you had hormonal imbalances affecting your mood, skin, sleep, or fertility? Are you entering or in the depths of perimenopause? I've experienced some of these things, and until I was recommended Carolyn Allen from The Balanced Naturopath, I felt so stuck and frustrated trying to get results. You see, as a late 30s female, my body just doesn't work like it used to in my 20s. I used to be able to exercise a little more and instantly lose weight. Before I met Carolyn, I was really struggling to get the weight off. I was going to the gym every day and I was eating what I thought was pretty well, but it just wasn't budging. Since working with Carolyn over the last couple of months, I've lost over 10 kilos. But one of the most impressive side effects of working with her that was kind of unexpected for me was that now I have so much energy. I have really been burning the metaphoric candle at both ends, but I have still been going. Unlike many naturopaths, Carolyn isn't all about the tonics and supplements. She provides help mostly through whole foods and making sure we're getting the right amount of protein and nutrients from our diet. Surprisingly, I wasn't even sick once through winter, something that is unheard of for me who has struggled with thyroid and immunity issues most of her life. If losing some kilos, balancing your hormones, trying to fall pregnant, having more energy or even boosting your immune system is of importance to you, I highly recommend chatting to Carolyn. The recommendation from others to see her was one of the best I've ever received and I know you won't be disappointed if you work with her too. She's got a few spaces left before the end of the year closes so don't delay in what I call a life-changing decision. All Carolyn's details can be found in the show notes. If you haven't done rural Northern Territory, be prepared. Yeah. You're going to see some things that are confronting. Like yeah. there's a lot of things there that are just break your heart. Yeah. Um, there's a lot of There's stuff. a lot. Yeah. You know, it's all fun and games to tell stories. But, yeah, there's a lot of things that I think aren't are, – are really confronting and are some real societal issues mm. uh, for our First Nations people. Um Really sad. I think the the problem is so big. There's no one's got the answer. No, people yeah. have been trying. Politicians, community groups, everyone's been trying for yeah. years to make a difference. I don't know the answer. It's such a hard topic. It's such a complex yeah, topic. Yeah, it is. Yeah, it's such a. Um, I don't feel like I haven't even with my what I've seen and what I've experienced. It's not enough to even make comment. Yeah, yeah. But I've seen some wild things and I hope that things get better. I really do. So you were just saying before on a lighter note that mm. you on that story you're saying about heading out to that station, there was a potential love interest mm. out there. Uh, so just going back to what we were talking about earlier, have you had a lot of, uh, as a single woman, a lot of uh, like, people hitting on you at weddings, that sort of thing going on? Oh, look, when I started people interested in you starting that- started as a wedding photographer, I was 27, so I had a lot more energy and spice about me than I do now. <laughs> now I'm like clock off at 9 o'clock or 8.30 or whatever time I finish the wedding. I'm going back to my motel. I'm going to bed. Ready for bed. Back then I used to party on. I had a good time. <laughs> <laughs> I had a good time. 
I enjoyed myself. Yeah, look, I've had I've had a couple of boyfriends from weddings that I've met. Still haven't met the one though. And I, it's funny because I offer a um I offer a finest fee for a husband. So I go to my clients. I always ask, do you have any great single guys here at your wedding? And that, you know, might be might make a good husband for me. Yeah. And if you f- if I meet my future husband at your wedding, I'll give you a full refund. That is I love that. So I've that's what I do. So that could be like six grand for someone. Yeah. I like that. Uh, however, idea. it's never landed me a husband. So yeah. a lot of the time people go, Oh, nah, there's no one at my wedding I would recommend. To. So I, I can relate a bit here because I'm obviously a single wedding photographer too. So you know like when you're at a ceremony shooting a wedding sometimes, but at the same time you're scoping like Attractive people, potential mm. partners in the in the crowd. You do that subconsciously, yeah. And then all of a sudden, like someone's sitting there on their own, and they're like, and then I take a few photos of them for my personal collection. It's <laughs> <laughs> <Just> joking, <laughs> but not really. <laughs> <laughs> and then like you scope in the ceremony, like, oh, there's yeah. someone. Well, yeah. she doesn't look too bad. Well, you probably yeah. know, it's probably like a he for you, but you're me, yeah. Well, yeah. <laughs> she my look my he's is your she's. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> And then, like, oh, she does look too bad. And then, like, halfway through the ceremony, you look over there again, and then there's, like, the boyfriend sitting there with her, his hand on her knee. You're like, oh, okay, so she's got a fella. <laughs> she's taken. Yeah, yeah. So we'll just look past her. Yeah. <laughs> Who else is here? Yeah. Uh, yeah. And I don't know, like, a lot of times – I have been hit on a lot. and Not not to sound like a complete wanker by saying that, but I have been – yeah, I have been approached. But a lot of them are drunk, and yeah. I'm sober, and I'm at work, and I'm like – but you're like you're the female wedding photographer. You know you can have, like I've been in bridal parties. I've been the photographer. I've been a guest at weddings. I played in bands at weddings. You you always hear like the guys being like, "Oh, have you seen like the wedding photographer?" You know, like it's yeah. just oh totally. It's like yeah, it's yeah. a thing. Well, because you're like one of the main people because you're there all day. Yeah. You've got a very important yeah. job where you're kind of dictating to the a degree. Day. You're sort of running. You're, you're running the show. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And you're yelling out. Yeah. Anyway, uh, yeah, so I still haven't met my future husband at my wedding, uh, at a wedding, but the finest fee still uh, remains. Yeah. Even if I don't meet him at your wedding, if I meet him somewhere else, then that's totally okay. That's, if, you yeah. meet, if you find me, my future husband, and we get, it, once a ring's on it, you get your six grand. What about like a, <laughs> at a, fa- a family, extended family photo shoot? Has there been like what, a- Yeah, uh, no, I haven't. Well, most of the time I just photograph two-year-olds, so... <laughs> I could put him on lay-by, but yeah. I might have to wait a little while. Yeah. So, and, then, so, and there's no inflation to that six grand. It's just six grand. <laughs> six grand. <laughs> See, like single mums like get photos. I've done plenty of like single mums and, yeah. their, and their kids get photos. Yeah. But single dads don't do a lot of that stuff, do no. they? So. so you've got far more chance of meeting your wife at a family f- photography session than yeah. I have meeting my husband, yeah. unfortunately. But that's okay. That's, uh, so, Braz, tell me. Where to next? What? How do you see your life in the next twelve months? Next twelve months. Um, all right. If I am in the same situation I'm in right now, still single, and nothing else, I'm sort of sort of in the exact same situation I'm in right now, still loving what what I'm doing, which I assume I will be. I suppose I would look to keep travelling. Maybe I would consider going overseas for some travel. I know we've been talking a bit about. Uh, I think I was saying the other day there was potential to shoot a wedding in America. I would love to maybe do some shoots over there just for something different. If I met someone in the next year, which, you know, like it could happen. I'm 28. It hasn't happened yet. But uh, if that was to happen, maybe I'd uh, consider doing less travel and just doing more photo shoots around whatever area I end up in. But anything's on the cards. Um, I suppose the ideal situation is you do settle down one day and have – have 15 kids and a wife. No, not really. But um, and you do settle down. But, he uh, just wants the 15 kids. He doesn't yeah, want the wife. Yeah, ask for. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but, um, yeah, so like, I suppose like, the long-term goal is to settle down and have kids and, and a family. But um, for, you know, while I'm single, like, I don't really want to. I love being in shearing sheds and shearing, but my long-term career goals are not to shear sheep for the rest of my life. Mm. So I love being in sheds. I love that atmosphere. I'd love to keep doing shearing photography. But I think for now, the uh, career-wise, the – my future is probably going to involve a camera somewhere, uh, well, somehow, in one way or another. Um, or if not that, maybe, I don't know, I, th- I think the next step would be do something on the side with music, but that's not, probably not like a realistic long-term goal. But Thanks for being my first guest. It's my pleasure. Thanks for being honest and open. Thanks for sharing your experiences and 
and travel. Love that. I'm looking forward to getting uh, a weekly commission for the coming up with the name. <laughs> Here we go. I'll, look, it's I'll wait for your solicitors. <laughs> You'll just get, get the mail one day. Yeah, yeah. And you owe me this much. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Uh, yeah, thanks. And thanks for inspiring other people to just go and live your life, like traveling. Love that. I love yeah. I love your spirit. I love the fact you're open. You're very chatty. I'm just going to say, actually, uh, for anyone who is working, who's leaving high school, I don't want to feel like – I don't want to sound like some idiot who thinks they have, like, some wise idea because I've done some stupid things in my life. But um, <laughs> I had some stupid ideas, like getting lost on the edge of Simpson Desert. But um, – if you're in high school and you want to go and work in agriculture and you live in like a town you've lived in your whole life, go and get a job on a station. Go and work in the Kimberley or somewhere you've never been. Just go and do it. Don't go and like get a job on a farm as a farmhand in the in the town you've lived in your whole life. Or if you want to travel, like just do it. Like you can work on the road. There's so many jobs out there. I just want to encourage everyone to do that. Don't stay where you grew up your whole life. Go and have a look. Great advice. Yeah. Love that. Yeah. Oh, otherwise, you will end up with you get a wife styled. you went to school with, and yeah. and I think that's you know there's nothing wrong with that. But you can go and do stuff and come back, mm. like yeah. go and have a look around, yeah. Great Especially advice. while you're single. Great advice. Yeah, James Brazel, give him a follow on the socials. He's a photographer. He's a shearer. <laughs> he's a traveler. He's very attractive, and he's single. <laughs> Thank you so very much for oh, being mate. on the My Anything pleasure. Goes podcast. Thank you. 